Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and you're listening to Educate for Life Radio, where we air in San Diego uh, on 106.1 FM in North County, as well as uh, KPRAISE 1210 AM. We're also all over the place on the web. We're on YouTube and Facebook and everywhere else. And if you have a question today, please chime in, uh, type, type a, a note into the uh, comment section. Uh, that'd be great. We'd love to hear from you. There's also tons of other shows that you can listen to. We've interviewed all kinds of people from all over the world on every topic you can imagine, uh, whether it's astrophysics or uh, cosmology or uh, the issue of homosexuality or whatever it might be. We, we talk about everything. But today we have something that's, uh, if you're a parent, that you're uh, considering possibly, which is uh, homeschooling. And specifically, we're talking about classical conversations. You know, I titled the uh, program title as is classical conversations the best homeschool curriculum in the world? And so uh, I thought I'd ask. I have two great people on the air with me today. Uh, Christina Robinson, she's the area director for all of San Diego, as well as Julie Friesen, who is a su support rep for East County. And I just wanted to thank you both for being on the air today. It's really nice for you to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. So why don't we start off a little bit um, as we get into this. Well, you know, my, my, my uh, question is, Christina, is classical conversations the best homeschool curriculum in the world? Well, personally, yes, I think so. <laughs> okay, <but. laughs> okay. I just thought that'd be a funny question to ask, you know. So, uh, um, so why don't we start with you and just ask, um, what does it mean to be the area director for San Diego for classical conversations? Well, I'm the area representative, and that means that I have a number of zip codes. Um, I can't remember how many, but I go basically up to about where we are now, all the way down south to the Mexican border, to the coast, and to um, Arizona. And I am I support the families, the communities, and the directors, and the support representatives within that area. Okay, fantastic. So. Okay, and how long have you been doing that? Um, I just started this my first year, so I'm technically just started in November okay. um, of doing this. So, so that's yeah. big, a big, big responsibility, lots yes. to take on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll be praying for you. Thank you. And then, Julie, you're the support rep for East County. Um, so what area does that cover? So I am a director of a local program in Hamul with about 23 families. And then just this month, I stepped up into this support rep role, which means I am the team leader for two different communities, one in Lakeside and one in Hamul. And I help them, encourage them, and meet their needs. Fantastic. And a full disclosure here, um, my kids are actually in Classical Conversations, Julie is the um, director for my wife's, uh, when, whenever they go to the um, Monday, what is it called? Community a, Day. Community Day and everything. So, uh, And it's been a big blessing. I think it's a really kind of blew my mind when I first got introduced to it and everything that goes on it. And when I see it at home, it's pretty, pretty amazing. So I thought it was important to talk about this because uh, February is a time when a lot of parents are starting to look mm -hmm. at, hey, what, what do I decide to do? And our, our educational system's changing a ton in America. I mean, we've got charter schools, we've got private schools, we've got public schools, and there's all these people trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? I've got all these uh, options now. Um, and so classical conversations, I think, Julie, you were telling me that it is the largest uh, classical education in um, the world. Is in the right? world, yeah. So CC started 20 years ago in a basement in North Carolina, and now there are, I believe, almost 150,000 students yep nationwide we just launched this year in brazil oh we're goodness. really strong in russia mm -hmm. in military communities all over the globe yep. wow that's incredible and then um uh, christina tell us what what is uh classical conversations where does the title come from what does that what does that mean 
So Classical Conversations is a homeschool program that partners with parents to be able to school their children classically at home. And it's called Classical Conversations because um, we use a classical method of education, of the teaching model, and um, we do a lot of conversations, especially in the upper level um, challenge levels, which are junior high, high school. We do a lot of conversation um, chatting with the students, letting them um, bring their ideas to the table and just really having conversations. So that's kind of where that name came from. Oh, that sounds really appealing, I'm sure, to a lot of students. So when you say conversations, you're, you're um, as opposed to a teacher just up front, just lecturing at the students, is, is that what you're saying? Yes. So we have tutors that are in a class. We never have more than 12 in a class in the challenge level. Um, okay. And there's, the tutor's job really is to help the children to, to think up good questions. They question each other. They question themselves. Um, they go through reading various literature, science books, every. But every strand or seminar is based on a conversation where the tutor is asking really good questions to drag out ideas from the students, and then they can spend time, you know, um, wrestling with those ideas with their peers. Okay. So, so would you say that this, uh, that from a classical education standpoint, would you say the fundamental difference between what we've come to um, get used to in, in a public school the fundamental difference between a classical education and what we would say is a traditional public school education is this whole conversational aspect, Julie? What? No, so when I think of the term classical, what that means to me is you. It, what is your goal? Are you creating a child who has a set of skills and is ready for the workforce, or are you cultivating a child who was created in the image of God? And in a public school, you are not going to get any instruction that is meant to shape the child's ethics, their morals, and their worldview. And so what that essentially does is it fragments that child's soul. We're teaching them content. We are not teaching them virtue. We aren't teaching them character. A true classical education has to be centered around a worldview. And so as we approach those upper-level high school years, it looks radically different from a public education because we're able to have conversations about things that actually matter. Mm. And the way it was explained to me is that when Lee Bortons created the program, she named it Classical Conversations because she wanted her students to be engaging in aged, timeless and ageless questions. Those are not questions that students in public high school wrestle with. Mm. Interesting. And, I mean, that's absolutely true, and I think that, to a large extent, uh, we can see a lot of the troubles or the problems that we're experiencing in the public education system uh, is because they aren't having these conversations. Would you? Is that what you, you think too, Christina? Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of times um, it, they're kind of told what to think rather than given an opportunity to think for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so when there's these big questions, these big um, issues out there, they don't really think through them. And there isn't really time no. within this traditional school system to be able to do that. They, it's just, you know, getting through English and then getting to math and science, and um, each of those things are kept separate. Um, so how do you, um, how is that different in classical conversations? I mean, how do you have time to cover all these, or to have all these conversations? Um, you, you know, you look at it sometimes, it seems like maybe the, the conversations would go off track into different areas where you're <laughs> kind of like, whoa, wait, where are you going? And, and then you don't get uh, as much time... Um, to learn things, how does how does that facilitate it in classical conversations? Well, first of all, the students they come together one time a week. So the other four days a week or five whatever days a week they're working on their school. They're doing that at home and they're, um, you know, digging deeper into their books, reading things, researching, and then they come to class 
the idea is they come to class prepared to have those conversations that are specific to what they've been studying that week. And then the tutor's job is to keep those conversations steered in the right direction because, you know, we're talking about teenagers, adolescents, they often could go off track. But the tutor um, is there to help, you know, maneuver those questions and conversations to keep them on track and to keep them um, engaging with one another. Yeah. Well, the other key yep. there is the class size. So yes. most of the challenge seminars have six to ten kids in them, and you can't go over 12. So in an hour, each kid has an average of five minutes to talk. Um, I was formerly a public high school teacher, and I regularly had over 30 kids in a class, and we had an hour to do our class. So that's an average of two minutes, or excuse me, that's an average of 30 seconds mm. per kid after you counter in, you know, my lecture time and all the other things that have to happen. So they um, really can't dialogue. Well, no, and, and that's what teenagers want to do. They want to dialogue. Mm. They're at that what we call the rhetorical stage of learning where they want to express themselves to their peers, and they simply can't do that in most public school settings. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Well, my guests today are Christina Robinson and Julie Friesen. They uh, work with Classical Conversations. If you're interested in this, it's classicalconversations.com. That's their website. And uh, maybe you're wondering, hey, you know, uh, I want to try something new. The public, local public school is not working out, or um, I can't afford maybe to send my kid to a private school, or whatever it might be. Uh, this is an option for you to consider. And, uh, you know, my, the experience my wife and I have had within Classical Conversations is very good, um, and the education is amazing, and, and we'll talk more about that. But when we get back, I'm going to ask uh, Julie and Christina, what about the mom or the dad who's out there who says, you know what, I'm not a teacher. Uh, there's no way I could do this. Um, how would you, what would you encourage them with? What would you say? So stay with us. We're going to be right back and continue this discussion. Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-998-0924. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and uh, we are airing all over YouTube, Facebook, everywhere. This program um, is being recorded live right now, but it will replay on Sunday at 10 p.m., KPraise 12, 10 a.m., and FM 106.1 in North County here in San Diego. And uh, I hope it's an encouragement to you. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are very concerned about what's happening in education. I know here in San Diego, there's a huge uproar taking place about uh, sex education in the uh, San Diego City Schools. A lot of parents are very upset. Um, all over the country, the education landscape is, is changing, and uh, homeschooling is growing. Uh, as far as I understand it, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in the 1960s is when homeschool really started to take off, and then it was kind of a dip down, and then in the 1970s again, homeschooling began to increase. 
And people give all kinds of reasons as to why uh, they've decided to homeschool. Uh, from 1999 to 2012, the percentage of students who were homeschooled doubled. It went from 1.7% of students to 3.4%. That's according to the National Center for Education Statistics. 3% represents somewhere around 1.5 million uh, students that are now being homeschooled. And, you know, uh, there used to be a stigma against homeschooling, but that is uh, slowly decreasing. And uh, in North Carolina, it's uh, one of the few states where when they asked homeschoolers to identify either as religious or secular, secular homeschooling actually outgrew religious homeschooling, now constitutes over 40% of the homeschooled population. And I think for a lot of parents, you know, their initial uh, reaction to the schooling is, hey, I really want my kids to grow up uh, loving the Lord, loving God, loving Jesus, loving the Bible. And because the Bible was essentially outlawed uh, from the schools in the 1960s, uh, they began to say, yeah, well, then I'm going to homeschool my kids. And but now um, as the home as the, the public school situation gets worse and worse and worse, uh, a, a lot of secular parents are also saying, you know what? I don't want my kids in the in the school anymore. Uh, in 2014, SAT test scores of uh, college-bound homeschool students were higher than the national average of all college-bound seniors that same year. And if you contrast this with public school kids, um, Bloomberg actually reported that they were bombing the SAT. It says that there were generally disappointing results um, and education experts are worrying about the public school graduates even being prepared for higher education or the workforce. And so I wanted to ask um, you two personally, uh, Christina, we can start with you. Um, when did you decide, you know, for your family that you decided you were going to homeschool and then ultimately uh, join Classical Conversations? What, how many kids do you have and what are their ages? Um, we have eight children all together and they range from 20. I'm sorry, did you say eight? I said eight, yes. Oh my goodness, yes. okay. Um, I thought they... you said eight children and then I was like, wait, <laughs> did she hit eight children? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, eight. Okay. They range from, um, in age from 27 Great to seven. Great is your reward in heaven. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, <clears throat> uh, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so I first learned about homeschooling when my oldest, who's 27 now, when he was going into kindergarten, I first learned about it, but I wasn't able to do it at that time. So it wasn't until um, 2001 when I was able to come home from working and um, start homeschooling my children at that time. And it was primarily, originally it became like a fear of having them in the public school, especially high school. You know, my experience What was your wasn't, biggest fear? Um, just the, I don't know, I guess pretty much everything, you know, other kids, bullying, things that they would learn. Um, I was a fairly new Christian, too, at the time. So, you know, I just wanted them to have a different experience than I had. Um, high school was not uh, a fun experience for me. And so um, so that was it initially. But we're also a military family, so we move around a lot. So for us, it works well with our um, lifestyle because we, we had to pick up and move every so many years. Um, and we don't have to search for a school or, you know, that kind of thing. And I came to understand that I just love having my kids around me. I love being the one that I taught most of my children how to read. I taught them how to do math. I taught them, you know, how to tie their shoes, all those things. And I love being there when they have those aha moments. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that gets to be there and not somebody else. And I may or may not hear about it. So Yeah, that's um, really neat. Yeah. I think for me, too, as a homeschool father, that's one of my favorite things. Mm -hmm. Even though I go to work and I teach – and I teach in a private school, but being able to come home, my kids are there, and mm -hmm. I can sit down and work with them and talk with them. And just being uh, – I feel like 
I have more time to be with them, it seems like. So that's pretty exciting. So um, now did you homeschool your children, uh, the ones that have graduated all the way from uh, kindergarten all the way through? Not all of them. Um, the oldest ones were came home in fourth and second grade, um, and then pretty much all the rest of them were um, all the way through. The ones that are, I have one graduating this year in May. We're super excited. She'll be our first CC graduate because we just found CC. This is our eighth year of CC. So, okay. Um, we did 10 years of homeschooling without classical conversations and then eight years now with. Oh, I so. really want to, um, we'll come back to that. I want to give uh, Julie a chance here, but oh. um, I want to ask you, remind me to ask you about the difference between um, your okay. experience homeschooling with and without classical conversations. Okay, and then Julie, uh, what's your situation? To share with our listeners where you're at. Sure, so I was a typical working mom. I was a high school teacher. I coached several sports. Um, it was juggling a lot, dropping my kids off at daycare, picking them up, coaching after school, you know, meeting my husband in parking lots and switching car seats and yeah. all that. <laughs> and um, I was pregnant with my fourth, and uh, we had a foster daughter who was living at home still. she was It was her senior year. She was pregnant at the time as well. And... Our life was just very hectic, and I felt the Lord saying, you need to slow down. Um, I had heard about CC years ago from a friend, and something brought it back to my awareness, and I went to an info meeting. And as a public high school teacher, I'd had a lot of training in classroom management, in educational theory, but I had never seen anything like this. And instantly I knew this is how kids actually learn. Mm. How come nobody has taught me this before? As an educator, it just made perfect sense, yeah. and that was what I wanted, and I knew right away. So I really um, fearfully approached my husband, thinking he was going <laughs> to say, you're crazy, we, we have a mortgage, you cannot quit your job. And um, to his credit, he said, if the Lord is calling you to do this, then we'll find a way to make it happen. That's and awesome. so I, I quit my job. You just after, got props, Ben. You just got props. Uh, <laughs> and and um, financially, CC was a good option. It was fairly inexpensive, and it, it offered us the community we were looking for once a week. I was able to sign up as a tutor, which provided some mild compensation that covered our tuition that first year. And we just dove in head first, and we've loved it ever since. So uh, that's an interesting point you make there that, hey, you, you recognize this. This is how kids learn. So what, why do you think that this isn't in public schools? Why don't they incorporate this into? Do you want to answer that? Um, I, yeah, I can ask, answer it um, based on what I think. Um, I think that it is a, it's a time. Um, I, I think that it's a time situation where they really don't have the time to allow for this. Plus, um, the mindset of traditional schooling is not the same as um, a classical mindset. As Julie said, the, the classical mindset is um, you want to, we, we're teaching the children in the way that they learn, but we're teaching them to be continued lifelong learners. Mm. Whereas I think in the school system, it's more of a, you know, let's get them through each grade. And I, I don't, um, I just don't think that they re have really considered um, you know, necessarily what would be the best method for mm -hmm. each child. Oh, it's just, let's just put them all in there. I'll add on to that, too. I mean, again, I was a public school teacher, so I understand that you're really constrained by the institution that you're a part of. And you have to have um, a standard set of benchmarks, and you have to measure the children um, at given times. But does that mean that all nine-year-olds are going to be physically, emotionally, and spiritually at the same place at the same time? 
in September? Mm. No. And yet that's what we're assuming when we place kids in grades. Yeah. We put them, say, you're nine or your birthday was in October. So therefore, this is the group of homogeneous age kids that you have to be with. We don't allow for a child who might be gifted in math. I have a daughter who is linguistically really advanced. She can read, she's nine, she can read uh, almost 10th grade novels. Wow. However, she's on third grade math because that she learns slower in math. And mm. we have chosen as a family to make the decision to pace math in a way that allows her to feel successful and not rushed. Mm. You simply cannot do so that in a, a public school. So there's just a lot more flexibility Absolutely. In, in order to adjust for where a kid's at. Yeah. It's and not realistically, this one size fits all kind of a thing. No, and right, realistically right. that doesn't work. Um, mm. The other thing is, yeah, when, we're, when you classically educate, you're educating the whole child. So frequently at home we take um, we have moments where there's sibling rivalries. We're <laughs> able to take time to stop and have a character lesson in mm. the middle of the day. Um, a public school teacher can't frequently do that. needed in my home. Frequently, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we're we're coming up on another break here, and I'm sorry to those listeners. Um, uh, I didn't we didn't get to the question of hey, what if I'm not a teacher yet? But I promise we're going to cover that. We're going to have uh, Christina and Julie answer that. We're with uh, classicalconversations.com is what we're talking about today. It's a fantastic homeschool curriculum option for you to consider as you're thinking about next year. And so stay with us. We've got two segments left. We're going to be right back. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. for listening sorry i uh julie said something that kind of made me laugh just before there so thanks for listening today you're on educate for life this is kevin conover um she said her heart's beating really fast so uh julie and christina are here on the show today they've never been on radio so they're slightly nervous but they're having a great job uh, doing a great job and having a great time so um what we're talking about is education we're talking about homeschool education if you're out there listening and you're a parent uh, you know, it's a real wrestle to figure out, okay, what is the best way to prepare my kids for life? Well, we're all concerned that our children are going to walk out of the home and that they're going to be able to have a life that's good and that where they're able to provide for a family, where they're able to navigate the different hurdles of life that are inevitably going to come. And the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so we have to ask ourselves, what, is that, what does the Bible mean by that? What is it saying? What is that training that um, we need to focus on? And a lot of times, as parents, we, we can become overly concerned with grades. And grades are important. There's no doubt about it. But the Bible emphasizes, actually, character development over grades, um, character, character development over athletic ability. 
And uh, the Bible says that, hey, physical training is good for some things, but uh, spiritual training is good for both this life and the life to come. And so uh, that's why we're talking about this. And um, Christina, uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, if you have somebody who says to you, uh, I'm not a teacher, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. Um, how do you encourage them? Is this only for parents that are really good teachers, or is this also for other parents? No. It um, Well, first of all, I'm not a teacher. I was not trained as a teacher. I had, when I started homeschooling and started using CC, I had a high school diploma, and that was about a little bit of college, but um, nothing, no degree in anything. Um, really, the... In CC, we believe that the parent is the best teacher for their child. And the reason is because you know your child, first of all. You've trained them and taught them from birth. So it's not really um, any different than what you've already been doing. We just think of it in our society. We think of it as, oh, my goodness, now it's their education. I can't teach them math. Sure, I taught them to be potty trained and to use a fork, but there's no way I could teach them math. Yeah, exactly. Um, So you don't. You don't need to be a teacher to teach the classical way because what we're doing is we're teaching the way, like within the grain of what the children are at. So for the very young students, it's a lot of memorizing. It's a lot of repetition of information. So you're you're just helping them. You're facilitating their education more so than teaching them, I think. And there are parts that you're teaching them, but, you know, when a child knows their math facts, they're going to be able to see that in a math problem and Mm. and know that two times two you know what the answer is because they can skip count they know their math facts they memorize those tables what about when you get into like really high levels of stuff like if you're getting up into you know trigonometry and then pre-calculus and so far how do you deal with that kind of a situation oh well thankfully i haven't had to deal with that (laughs) because my kids are not um big on math but um But again, a lot of higher level math is based on your basics. There are basic fundamental operations and formulas that you need to know. Mm -hmm. If you have those and you have those memorized and you understand them, all the rest of it is building upon that and it's moving up. And of course, I mean, if your student is like they want to be a math major, then you know, we encourage parents to find other people to come alongside them and help. And that's one of the beauties of Classical Conversations. We're a community. So we have, you know, Julie may be really skilled at an area, and she could help me with my kids in, um, you know, maybe it's literature, maybe it's math, that I need a little bit of help so I can reach out to other people as well. So, But you yourself do not have to be a teacher in order to teach your children. Okay. Julie, same question. what do you say to the person who says, I'm considering it, I'd like to do it, but I just don't feel like I'm qualified? Yeah, I mean, what Christina said is very true. You have taught your child to walk and talk, and how have you done that? It's naturally, you, we all have in our, in the way God creative, created us, this idea of how to acquire knowledge, and that's through repetition, modeling, ob- observation, asking questions. And yet somehow when we think of our child's quote-unquote education, we think that we need to have an expert who knows how to do that. When I quit public schooling and I told my friends or my colleagues that I was going to homeschool, you would not believe how many of them who are AP English teachers, AP math teachers, said, oh, I could never teach my child how to read. Those teachers felt like they were owners of a certain segment of knowledge and they didn't think that they had the ability to teach a child something else because that's the way we're taught in our culture is Mm. that you have to be an expert 
to teach something. But I will tell you, most parents are their child's number one fan. And so if you're the one who loves your child the most, you have this ability to come alongside of them. And there's a lot of moms in my community who, like Christina, only had a high school degree. They say over and over again that they feel like because they are walking through with their children on this journey of classical education, they are reclaiming their own education mm. by learning alongside their children. Yeah. My wife has said that very thing, too. She said, oh, my gosh, I'm through this process. I'm, I, I mean, they say the best way to learn something is by teaching it. Right. So there's no doubt about that. But um, so I'm sure a lot of people listening out there or people that are skeptics or maybe critics might say something like, well, what are the real facts? You know, what evidence do you have that classical conversations actually makes a difference in, you know, college acceptance or SAT scores or uh, being prepared for the real world? And um, I know we, you have a magazine here. Uh, can you share with us some of these uh, yeah, statistics? I want to start by saying, though, Kevin, the the mission of CC, our our mission statement is to know God and make him known. Mm -hmm. And one of our... Um, State? Is Andy Truitt a, a state? Or he's a national he's director. He's one of our national directors. And he is fond of saying, are you preparing kids for college or for Christ? Mm -hmm. And that really hit home with me because I think, again, parents start to freak out and they don't trust the Lord that he has a plan for their children. CC is a very rigorous academic program. But again, its mission is to equip kids to be like Paul, who can be all things to all people. Mm, people awesome. who can defend, children who can defend their faith, whether they're called into the mission field or the medical field. And so, yes, CC is a very rigorous program. Um, I have some stats in front of me that show that CC's Nash, or SAT average is 646 and 591, which are more than 150 points above the national average. CC students have uh, been accepted into, you know, Brown University, University of California, Berkeley, um, University of Texas. Um, what I think, though, is more important is this stat that says 97% of parents reported that their teens' fish, Christian faith was strong as a result of CC. 97%. That's absolutely. amazing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's absolutely incredible. And I, I agree that, that uh, there can be no uh, higher barometer or, or measure for uh, what we're looking at because um, the stats right now are that uh, 7 to 8 of every of every 10 Christian kids are leaving the faith after high school if they attend a public school. And so um, for us, that's uh, as Christians who are trying to train our children up in the Lord, well, uh, that's by far the most important fact. And um, I think, too, I, I really like what you were saying about how, um, you know, math builds on math. And if you teach a child uh, how to learn, uh, then what happens is they're motivated on their own to grow and to learn yeah. and to take uh, to take charge of their education as mm -hmm. they get older, that they're not always leaning on a teacher to motivate them, but now they are motivated internally to be to look at life. And, and would you say that's something that you see a lot, is that the kids, as they're getting older, they're motivated to uh, learn on their own and take advantage of um, their education? From the um, CC graduates that I know, um, they, they, they feel equipped to go out there and learn things on their own. They become lifelong learners. Um, and, you know, like Julie said, the parents in her community that talk about reclaiming their own education, I also feel that way. And I feel like I now can be a lifelong learner because I know how to learn, even though I went through all those years of school. Um, but, you know, for my daughter who's graduating this year, she 
she can take subjects that maybe are difficult for her because she doesn't like them as much or, you know, um, her brain doesn't think that way. And she can rustle through that because she knows the steps to learning. She knows that she needs to focus on the basics first, the grammar part, you know, the vocabulary. And then she can start building on that into the further parts of that subject. And so I've seen in my own family, my kids learning to learn how to learn. Um, and loving learning as well, and they become lifelong learners. Um, yeah, I saw right. that it's um, it's really adorable. I have one of my daughters started teaching our four-year-old Spanish, and sh she mimicked the CC method. We got these dollar store Target flashcards of Spanish, and she took them and started having the four-year-old pair it back to her, and then they would sing a silly song. They would make up a, a hand motion. They would repeat it, and sure enough, they, it works. And she, I didn't tell her this is how you should teach your sister how to learn, learn Spanish cards. She just has seen that happen so often that now she doesn't even have to think about it. This is how you teach someone. This is how you learn. That is really amazing. Uh, very encouraging. And so um, if you're listening, we are interviewing, um, my interview today is with Christina Robinson and Julie Friesen. Uh, Christina Robinson is the area rep for all of San Diego and Julie Friesen is a support rep now for all of East County. And uh, so we've been talking about Classical Conversations. I, I highly recommend you check it out, classicalconversations.com. Um, and we're gonna, we have one segment left. We're going to talk a little bit more about how widespread uh, Classical Conversations is. It's in other countries now. It's in Brazil and other places. It's all over the place. So very exciting. And we'll also talk a little bit about um, the homeschool experience for Christina. What was the difference between homeschooling with Classical Conversations and then without and she'll give us some perspective on that also. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fastlane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastlaneSailing.com. Six Thanks for being with us today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and my website's educateforlife.org. And uh, my, my ministry, what I do is I also provide a homeschool curriculum which is specific to apologetics, Christian apologetics. That's learning to defend your faith, learning to share your faith, and deal with all the skeptics, uh, that, the skeptical questions that people ask and responding in a way that's uh, both gentle and loving. So um, a lot of what I'm doing uh, is similar, in a sense, to classical conversations, although uh, what I'm doing is just providing an education that's specific to apologetics. You can check that out on my website, educateforlife.org. And we've also got all kinds of radio programs, um, where you can listen to, for example, Jason Lyle, uh, who proves God's existence through science. You can listen to uh, Dr. John ba Baumgartner. He's a geophysicist who talks about the evidence for the flood. It's absolutely incredible. 
Uh, you can listen to um, the creator of the Action Bible, Sergio Cariello. I had him on um, not too long ago. He's the one, the artist that drew all of the Action Bible. He used to work for Marvel and DC. And uh, just all kinds of amazing people who testify to how God has worked in their life and um, how they have uh, testified to the truth of God and, and uh, his goodness and his grace. So uh, my guests today are Julie Friesen and Christina Robinson. And uh, they're with Classical Conversations. So, Christina, we left off talking about um, you used to homeschool without class Classical Conversations, and then you were turned on to uh, Classical Conversations. What happened there, and what is the difference between um, what you were doing and then, and then how you became involved with CC? Um, so we started homeschooling in 2001, um, and CC did – they were operating at that time, but not – we were in Washington State, and they hadn't made it over um, to Washington State yet. So – um, I had friends in my church and stuff, and we just did a bunch of different things. Every year we were doing a different thing because we were trying to find what would work for the kids. And it was, um, it worked. We still loved it, but it was a bit frustrating at times, and, and it was quite expensive because we were having to buy whole new things of curriculum every single year. It was um, 2011 when I first went to an information meeting and heard about Classical Conversations, and I had learned about Classical um, education prior to that. So I was very excited to see that this whole thing was all in one curriculum, one guide that I could use for my kids, for all of my kids. And I was super excited about it. And um, that's kind of how I got into it. The state manager at the time was like, well, we need a, you know, we would need a new community, a new director. I was like, um, okay. And just God told me you need to be doing this. Yeah. So we stepped into it and totally by faith. I had never seen it um, or anything, but I just was excited about it because of that mm -hmm. classical model. And um, the difference for our family is I felt like once we moved into classical conversations, we had a framework. We had like a scaffolding. Mm. I have freedom within that scaffolding because I, I homeschool because I want to have freedom for my kids' education. Sure. So I still have that freedom there, but I have – a framework that so I'm not having to figure everything out myself um, I don't have the time or desire to figure it all out for myself so it's there for me you know that Lee Borton's created sense. it yeah. yeah yeah because when you when you decide <laughs> to make the jump into homeschooling it's kind of like you need something to, to grab yes. hold of uh, otherwise it's overwhelming it's like there's so many options out there so uh, Julie what is the what is the um, process through which uh, the framework the scaffolding of classical conversations as it pertains to like in kindergarten you start here and then you move up into you know uh, elementary to, to the middle school and to high school how does the educational system change according to the the philosophy of classical conversations right so it changes according to the way kids learn and we have three programs we start out in the foundations level which is for four-year-olds through 11-year-olds and in that stage of life you're meeting once a week with a community you show up for class, mom or dad is required to attend that community day with their kiddo. And what they're seeing, they have a trained tutor who is going through seven different subjects, math, geography, science, Latin, English grammar, history, and a world timeline. And that tutor in a really fun, crazy sometimes <laughs> way is singing, dancing, chanting, all while mom and dad are participating with the kids. We also do a fine arts, um, a fine arts lesson. We do a, si a fun science experiment, and then we play a lot of games. Mm -hmm. The reason mom and dad are in that class, mom or dad, is so that they can be equipped to go home the rest of the week and keep working on that knowledge through those fun songs and games and dances and chants. 
so I, I wanted to ask you about this because this was uh, kind of a surprise to me when my wife started using CC is that um, she, there was a lot of singing going on. <laughs> and I, I was like, wait, she's like, hey, let's put this in the CD in the car. And they're singing, you know, and then we're at home. There's more singing. And pretty soon I was like, honey, wait, I need a break from all the singing here. But, but um, tell us how CC uses the singing, um, Christina. How does that, how does that work? What's the, what's the drive behind that? Well, if you think about um, the way, it, you know, first of all, it's that repetition thing. You know, little kids, how many times do you have to watch the same movie over and over and oh, over yeah, again? Oh, yeah, that's right. So that's true, there's yeah. that repetition thing. But also for the singing, I mean, um, I guess using an example, I think about Schoolhouse Rock, mm -hmm. you know, when I was young. And that's how I know the preamble to the Constitution. And when I think about that, I hear Schoolhouse Rock in my head. Oh. And a conjunction, I know what a conjunction is because of Schoolhouse Rock. And I heard that a very long time ago. Um, and so the song, I don't understand the why behind it, but it, it gets into us. and it, It's like a ditty on an on a advertisement. You well, can't get it out of your head and, in a sense, yeah. too. And, right? Kevin, I have a lot of people who tell me, well, I'm not musical. Okay, well, I'm not musical either. I'm not a musician. Yeah. I don't play any instruments. But God created everyone to, to appreciate music. That's Absolutely. why we have the Psalms. Yeah. How many jingles can you repeat? Mm -hmm. from your childhood simply because you listened to them exactly yeah. so i think the why behind the music is simply harnessing a tool that's intrinsic in all of us mm. that if something is rhythmic and it might not be necessarily musical it could be chanting or it could be saying it to a certain rhythm mm. it just works that, and it, 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 it gets in work. there yeah i mean it's incredible it, it, it's with our kids math and everything cc is doing um their ability to multiply you know they go through their fours they go through their sixes they go through and we're hearing all this, and it's incredible that they're able to, to remember all that through that song. That's pretty amazing. Um, to go back to your question, after that 11-year-old stage, the program moves into a, a, a longer day where the kids are attending, and after, um, after that normal program, they stay for a really intense grammar, language arts, and math games portion of their day. They start working together with a tutor and, again, with mom in the class to diagram sentences, we use the Institute for Excellence in Writing, which is a world-recognized um, writing program for those middle school kids. And then finally, around seventh grade, the children enter into what we call our challenge program. And that's a once-a-week seminar with six different strands and one tutor. Mom or dad normally does not sit in on those classes um, because those kids at that age don't want mom and dad sitting yeah. in on those classes. <laughs> So they're with their peers, they're with their trained tutor, and they're wrestling with those conversations. That's fantastic. And there's an, so there's an adjustment meeting each of the kids' needs at different stages of life. Yeah. And um, can you tell us again one more time, what, how many kids around the world are now using uh, classical conversations? About, a, I think you, did you say 150,000? About 150,000 from the latest stats that I've seen. Yes. Yeah. And I would say that's within the within the US. Okay. Um, we've and got, it's growing all it's growing it's, all the time. Right. We have um, in Canada, in Russia, in Brazil, in um, there's some other countries that we have communities that we can't um, identify those places sure. um, to protect people. But um, Germany has a lot of there's a lot of military bases where um, often where there's a military base you'll see a classical conversations community because um, you know, they start it here, they move overseas, and they want to continue that. Um, so I don't, I know that there's somewhere around 4,000 students in Russia this year. Um, wow. We had a big, huge convention there um, where we have our three-day practicum in the summer. And for, in Russia, they had one over there. Um, and and it it's was, all biblically based, too. Yes. 
And so this is also a, uh, uh, an evangelism tool in a sense, too, in that you're, you're helping people to grow in the Lord and discipleship program in a sense, right? Yes. Again, our, our mission is to know God and make him known. That, that, that's, that's the Classical Conversations mission. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Kevin, I yeah. found the facts. 50,000 homeschooling families, over 125,000 students. That is great. Well, hey, we're, we're just about out of time here. Um, if you're listening, I want to encourage you to check out classicalconversations.com. Um, if you enjoyed this show and you want to learn more about it or you want to share it with somebody, it'll be available for you to be able to share on social media and stuff like that. So I encourage you to do that, spread the word. And uh, Julie and Christina, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your day uh, to be here. I know you're both very busy. You've got eight kids here. And how many kids do you have, Julie? Four kids at home. Four? Okay, so you're both very busy. So thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Yep, thank you're you. welcome. Okay, uh, thanks for listening. For all those of you out, uh, that are listening today, um, thanks for being with us. We'll be back next week. We're actually interviewing uh, Pastor Alex, uh, who has a church here called India Christian Fellowship, and he's from India himself, and they're going to be talking about doing missions in India. So uh, pretty exciting stuff, too, and um, lots of good stuff to learn about and be encouraged with there. Uh, so uh, I hope you'll join us next week. God bless you, and I hope you have a great day.